This morning, we are continuing our series, The Way of Jesus, and this, this morning's topic is living with simplicity. Now, this is a little bit of an out there and a kind of a different topic, I guess. It's probably not one of the things that we would all think through as one of the things that when we think about Jesus' life. When we think about Jesus, we think about him walking around like Dumbledore. Maybe if you've watched the Harry Potter stuff, doing all these like amazing things and just healing people, cruising, walking on water, walking through walls, you know, like, oh my word. But Jesus actually lived this incredible life of simplicity, which we can take an example from. One of the things I've been thinking about a little bit during this lockdown period, there's a few businesses that have absolutely thrived, like take a lot. <laughs> you cannot drive from your house anywhere, right, without checking like some take a lot motorbike coming past you at 300 k's an hour because, you know, there was a promise that it was going to be delivered within two days. And the other day I'm going down Wittkoppen and the cars are all lined up. I'm like, who's driving so slowly? And the cars one by one are going around something and trying to work out what it is. Eventually I get to behind the something that's slowing the traffic down. It's a three-wheel tuk-tuk. You know what a tuk-tuk is? It's like a glorified motorbike with two wheels at the back. Take a lot on the side. The guy's like, he's like hauling. He's open the engines, flatlining. He's doing like 40. <laughs> he's just cruising down, off to go do his delivery for whatever the person wants. Got to get there within its next two business days. And it's true that I think that for many of us, this kind of retail therapy during this time, the wanting more stuff, the wanting to have more stuff in our world is important because life has been pretty much same old, same old. It's felt pretty same old, same old. You know what I mean? Like quite predictable. You wake up in the same house, you log into the same Zoom call. We were with our, um, our Lone Hill Connect group and they were just like, we are like flat zoomed out. I'm like, I'm zoomed out as well. Like I'm just so sick of looking at the screen. In the beginning of lockdown, if you go take a screenshot or see if you can find a screenshot of the way you used to dress up and get ready for a Zoom call six months ago, and look how far you've let it slide now. People, we've gone backwards. We aren't even wearing pants anymore. <laughs> He's like, how's it? People aren't even turning their screens on anymore now. You know, you're just like there. Put you up and do your thing. And I think there is something inside of us that we've got this desire for something new. We want something to enrich our world. Consumerism, actually, and adding stuff is kind of the state or the default state of uh, faith today, and it's the default state of people today. We want more stuff. And the thing is, I realized the other day that even me, myself, I'm not immune to this thing. Let me tell you a little thing. So the other day, I was at confession time. So I go to the fishing shop. Now, sometimes I just go to the fishing shop because it's not home, right? It's somewhere else. I mean, we get to visit people, and that's cool. But, you know, working from home and kind of being a little bit locked down, I just, you know, needed a bit of an outing. So I go to the fishing shop, and I'm not particularly looking for anything. I'm just mincing around, looking at the stuff, like to touch the sinkers and pick them up and hold them and put them down and remind myself that I'm a real boy. So while I'm cruising around, I get to the counter, and I'm walking past, and I see this thing. It's a string, you know, like a fishing line, but it's a string fishing line counter. So what you do is you, you clip it to your fishing rod, and then when you put line on your reel, it tells you how much you put on your reel. Now, I've been, I'm like, I have to have this. <laughs> this is absolutely, how have I lived as a fisherman without this? I, not knowing how much line I have on my reel. Like, I have to have this thing. So when it wasn't very expensive, so I'm like stoked to buy this thing. I'm like, I've added to, like, how, 
the next fishing trip I go on, I'm going to slaughter it because I know that I've got 267 meters of line or whatever. <laughs> so I get home and I clip this thing on and I line up the line. No clue how to use this thing. I tried everything, turned it around, and it should be intuitive, but it's not. I tried to Google it. Google's never heard of this thing before. There's the electric ones. This one doesn't work at all. And then I get to thinking about this thing, right? My fishing reel that I was using to put line on, I know that it holds more than 400 meters of line. Okay, just go with me for a second. If you're like, I'm dialing out and I'm not really a fisherman, just go with me for a second. I know it can hold 400 meters of line. And I was thinking to myself, why do I need to know how much line that there is on? Because if I hooked a fish that took 400 meters of line off my reel, wow. <laughs> never had a chance to do that in my life that would be amazing in itself it would be awesome and secondly by the time it's taken 400 meters of line off what would it matter if I had 600 meters if I can't turn it around at half a k right <laughs> like it's going to take the rest off right like logically thinking it through but I think it's a little bit like that I kind of you get to asking yourself what would it take for me to be content at what point do I go I've got enough and my life is cool, and I'm, I've got equilibrium in my life, right? Where's the line? And this is the thing that I realized, thinking about it. Too often what we do when we talk about this stuff, and especially as Christians, and I'm, I'm not in the camp of the, you know, Jesus was poor, and he had nothing, therefore Christians should be, you know, walking around with garbage bags on, living in a living in dustbin. I'm an I'm a ex-homeless person myself, lived on the street for two years. So just from my own personal experience, Probably not the best example. It was really hard to reach people from Jesus for that place because when you go talk to them, they roll up their windows and tell their kids to put away their valuables, <laughs> right? So I, I'm not saying that we need to live our lives as, as paupers because it's not about, the issue that I'm talking about this morning is not about having stuff. It's the desire to constantly be getting new stuff. Because the funny thing about stuff is, as I get it, the moment I get it, it loses its shine, and I want something else. It's the addition of all the stuff. It's, it's that constant inflow that I need all the time. Once it's in, it's the same as everything else. Right? There's a big pile of stuff that's sitting around. And I'm sure if you had to go around, if we had to do like a, a deep dive on people's houses at the moment, if you went in the garages, just take a lot boxes everywhere of stuff that we desperately needed. And now this was our opportunity, but we didn't actually end up ever using it. Jesus speaks about this in Luke chapter 8 when he sends out his disciples. In Luke 8, 3, he says, And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money. Do not have two tunics. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel, and healing people everywhere. And this is the thing, right? Jesus is saying this. Go in. You've got a mission. Let the mission be the thing that brings you joy. If you arrive at the house and they dish up a lamb with like all the trimmings and roast potatoes and there's sparklers going and they bake you a cake, you know, disciple happiness awareness month cake boom, with a sparkler in it and you eat the cake and it's amazing. Awesome. And they put you in a queen-size bed that's all floofy and you can sleep well. Brilliant. But if you arrive at the next town, right, and they dish up a roadkill chicken, because that's, that's what they got, right? They disinfected it and then baked it as best they could, and they put down a straw mat for you, right? 
Be content with that as well. Because the point is, it's not the bed or the food. It's the mission. It's the fact that you're out there. That's where we should be deriving our joy and our, um, our satisfaction and our contentment from. It's not, a, it's not a command to live like a hermit. You know, I think sometimes, and I'm, I'm careful about how we talk about this because I do think there's the whole prosperity gospel, which is horrific. But when you look at heaven, right? Like heaven's beautiful and there's expression and, and sound and music and gold and all sorts of crazy stuff. You know, when people try to write about heaven, they just eventually run out of words and their pen goes off the page because there's not enough words to describe how amazing it actually is. This instruction, this life of simplicity is a life where we keep the main thing the main thing. We stay on this highway, if you like. And this is the analogy I'd like to talk about today. The highway, if you like, of simplicity. How do we stay on this highway? Because on this highway, we find the contentment. For the disciples, the mission was the main thing. There's a reason many of these little things that we enjoy in life are called trappings. Because it's exactly what they are. So here we go. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, reading from verse 6 to 11, Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So and, you know, the, the worst quoted or the worst um, requoted scripture, money is the root of all evil. No, nothing wrong with money. Money gets stuff done. The love of money, right? But what it's saying is when I, when I begin to love it, what happens is it begins to take me on these little off-ramps, if you like. These off-ramps away from this life of simplicity and I get trapped and I lose my sense of mission. So I'd like to talk about six off-ramps quickly this morning. Off-ramps off this highway of simplicity that catch us. And these things do grab us. And the problem is once I've been caught on that off-ramp, it becomes so comfortable. You know when you're driving a long-distance road trip for those, um, you know, for those who enjoy long-distance driving? You've been driving for like two or three hours and then you, you're like, you need a pee, you need a cool drink, and you need something to eat. And you get to that ultra-city. Like it glows. Like, ah! And you walk in and you, and you see the toilet. It's like glorious, you know. You've like never been so excited to see a loo in your whole life, right? And, and the food tastes better. Like Wimpy's disgusting. Okay, sorry if Wimpy is listening, but I don't like Wimpy. I think Wimpy's... But the thing is, you've been driving for like so long. That burger is amazing. Right? It just tastes awesome. Like everything is so much better in that, in that space. And then getting back in the car and getting back on the road. If I don't have the destination in mind, right? It's what's the thing that gets me back in the car and back on the highway? It's the, I want to get somewhere. It's the sense of mission. It's the sense of purpose. And if we lose that sense of mission and purpose, we become like people who go on the off-ramp. And then because we were camping before, we set up our tent at the Ultra City with those people, right? You know, there's the camels walking around because they've got a little play area for the kids. And so I set up my little tent there by the camels and I move in and I become those guys, right? So here's six quick off-ramps. The things that we need to avoid, the hooks we need to avoid. The first one is this. The first off-ramp off, -ramp off the, the road or the highway of simplicity is I deserve, there's a big billboard and it says this, I deserve to be entertained. I deserve to be entertained. 
So it's the noise and it's the stimulation. Life's got to be full. There's got to be something new and exciting going on. It's got to be adrenaline-filled. If it's just same old, same old, because that's what sometimes the road is like. If you've ever driven through the free state, like that road was designed by like someone who had a big ruler because you can tie your steering wheel to the floor and go to sleep, right? And if there's no other cars on the road, you're fine. You just for like 7,000 kilometers. You probably end up in the sea, but I'm just saying, you can just, it's like this. And that's what the highway of simplicity looks like sometimes. And this billboard comes up and says, I deserve to be entertained. And I do feel like I deserve to be entertained, right? And so, not that any of these things are bad in themselves, but when I go and park there, and so all of a sudden my time becomes eaten by series. I love series, right? I'm like a big crime guy. But it can eat into everything of my life, and it becomes a place that I park. It becomes the off-ramp that I go to all the time. It's the place I want to be entertained. It could be people who entertain me. It could be places that entertain me. And the danger of it is, it's often a doorway to sin. Because I want to be entertained, but then that entertainment isn't enough. So I go a little bit deeper. I go a little bit deeper. And the off-ramp maybe was this, but eventually before I know it, I'm so deep into stuff that I never thought I would get into because I deserve to be entertained. And there is that kind of sense of being, of feeling like I deserve things. And that, that sense of entitlement can really catch us out. The second one is this. I deserve to be affirmed. I deserve to be affirmed. Right? I deserve to be surrounded by encouragement. Then when I log onto Facebook, I just want to see 4,000 of the notifications, right? And all of those, my last post, everyone stopped their day, logged in and was like, John, we don't know how you do it. But what you posted was glorious. My day was going badly. And then I read your post and I just changed my life, man. Changed my life. I deserve to be affirmed. Don't you dare disagree with me. Don't you dare say stuff about me that, you know, you think is your opinion. Drive into the parking lot. Everyone's like, oh, it's John. Quickly, let's make him a parking. Close to the... Cindy's one of those optimists. I, I am a serious pessimist. I drive in. The first parking I see... Uh, do we have optimist, pessimist in the... In, you, know, we, uh, you can split a room around optimist and pessimist, right? I drive in. The first parking I see, I park there because... Cindy's like, no, Jesus has kept a parking for me at the entrance. And you know what? He hasn't. Most of the time. I mean, during hardcore lockdown back in the day, they, they, he did. And Jesus surprisingly did, but there was no people around. But this need to be affirmed, <coughs> this need to have people around me who are telling me nice things about myself, people who are encouraging me, people who tell me, you can do it, and just woo and I feel like I want to stay there. It's such a nice off-ramp. I drive off the road of, because it's a real road. The road of simplicity is a road of honesty. And sometimes it's a road of loneliness. But people aren't talking to me. Um, Cindy's not just. I can say one or two things quickly before she comes back. But <laughs> I'm kidding. But Cindy's like the worst co-driver because she, she just, if she's not driving, she's sleeping. Like that's her. And so when I'm driving, it's, I've got Cindy and my two daughters, and they just sleep. That's their, they go to, in the car, engine goes, sleep. And so driving for me is a fairly lonely thing. I mean, I enjoy it. I put music on and whatever, and I drive. And sometimes that loneliness of the road of simplicity, just it's quiet, and there's not a lot going on. And the, the, the temptation to go to where people are all going to rave about me and whatever. But the problem is, 
they're only going to do that if I'm singing their song. They're going to affirm me if I tell them what they want to hear. No one's going to affirm me on this road of simplicity because no one wants to ride that road. No one wants to be on that road. And so I begin to change um, what I what I stand for. I begin to change how I speak. I begin to change the things that are important about me. The third big billboard that comes up on the freeway is I deserve to be secure. I deserve it, that all my needs need to be met, right? And, and this is very, very real. I mean, you think about this, during, during lockdown, there's been some incredible financial pressure on a lot of us. I mean, I paid for my UIF, and now UIF is a bit funky and the website's down and things aren't working it, it's vicious and it's real because i do deserve to be secure and i have a human right to be provided for how can i not have when i look at my neighbor he's got that but i don't and that pressure that we carry that off-ramp of like on this road of simplicity sometimes it's tricky sometimes it's the stuff that i'm driving through sometimes i walk through valleys of the shadow the valley of the shadow of death and it's, it's sketchy and i'm not sure if i'm going to have or not have and it's so easy just to take the off-ramp because I want to go and be secure. And so I, I take my mind off all the simplicity of life and I go and I want to be, and I give myself to a whole bunch of things that I shouldn't in the need or in the desire to try and create security around myself. But what I do is I begin to sacrifice my time. I begin to sacrifice my resources. I begin to sacrifice my mental health. I begin to sacrifice my physical health and this desire to try and provide for myself as I try and make sure that I'm more secure in my world. I want the control of my future firmly in my own hand, right? Like, that's a big one. Like, I want to know that my future is firmly in my own hands. And so I'm trying to, and, and that's an interesting one right now, because I think this last few months has reminded all of us, you think you know what's coming, but you don't, right? Like, I'm fully at that space. If you told me in December, hey, over the Christmas turkey, brew, do you know what's happening next year? I would have been like, whatever. Like we were joking about all these people, oh, 20 plenty, 2019 sucked, but don't worry, 20 plenty's coming. Yeah, it's coming, all right. <laughs> and it's got teeth, right? <laughs> so I deserve to be secure. The, the fourth big billboard that's up there, it says, I deserve to be comforted. I deserve to be comforted. And this is different to affirmed. When I'm sore, when I'm hurting, the whole world needs to stop and comfort me. People need to know where I'm at. People need to know what I'm carrying. I'm carrying some hurts. I'm carrying some things. I'm, everyone must just know, right? Everyone's a psychic, and they need to be able to see and understand. And so I walk around, and, and the, the thing about this off-ramp is it, it doesn't ever allow us to heal because I go and wallow in my hurt. And what I do is I surround myself with people who also hurt because hurt people like to talk about their hurts and then makes us feel good about our hurts, and we never get healed. And a hurt person, right, like a guy who's got a broken leg doesn't go visit a doctor with a broken leg. The doctor who's got a broken leg is at home recuperating, right? You go see a doctor whose leg's fixed so that he can help you. Stupid analogy, but you, you get what I'm trying to say. The point is, hurt people need healthy people. And when I'm sitting there, I deserve to be comforted, right? I, I forget about this fact that I can actually only move on with my life when I myself become whole. And this journey of simplicity, the highway of simplicity, is how I do become whole. It's what Jesus uses to make me whole. Second last one, I deserve to be enriched. And when I say enriched, I deserve to be more each day. 
I deserve to be a more interesting person. I deserve to be treated as wise. You know, one of the funniest things are, as I'm getting a little bit older now, because when I was younger, I thought this, but as I'm getting older, I'm pretty sure what I thought was true. Older does not equal wiser. You've got more experience, but if you don't learn from it, right, sometimes older equals dumber. It equals more stupid. It equals more stuck in your ways. It equals like the, your world gets like this. It gets smaller and smaller and smaller until eventually you've got two old ladies sitting in an old age home and then the one lady walks past the other one and she kicks out, the other chick kicks out her crutch and the chick falls on the floor because when they're 20 at a dance they were at, the one chick kissed the other chick's boyfriend and whatever. <laughs> like that's the big thing. I got her back. We finally got Mary Lou, kicked out a crutch, you know. <laughs> Don't try to make these pictures stick in her head a little bit, right? But this, this thing of I deserve my life to become enriched, right? I, I want to be wiser. And one of the things about this for me is it's a little bit of like I want to be learning more stuff all the time. And this isn't a negative. But I look at people's obsession with knowledge nowadays, the YouTube rabbit hole, where Wikipedia is your homepage, and you're just like constantly wanting more and more information the whole time because I want to know more. Sometimes that desire just to know more and more information and more, 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 which isn't necessarily a negative thing, can become a trap for us as well. And I get so wrapped up in what I know that I lose a sense of faith. I lose this life of simplicity. I, you know, Christianity's for the, you know, those blind faith people or, you know, like I used to be like you, but now, you know, I, I know about the Illuminati, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> This is going patient. Anyway, let's, let's carry on. Here we go. And then the last big billboard is I deserve to be successful. And this is a big one, right? Um, and I love what Jesus says. So he says to these guys, and he gives us a way of dealing with it. He says, if these guys reject you, now you think about it, these disciples have been sent by Jesus. I wonder what I would have been like if I'd been sent by Jesus. How would I have walked into town? <laughs> you people. <laughs> Are blessed. Behold, I am here. I have a message for you from the Son of God, Jesus Himself. And there were people that just kicked Him out of town. Is it any wonder why uh, James and John said to Jesus, Listen, bro, He wants to call down fire from heaven, just like wipe this whole town out? Like they said that to Jesus because they knew it could happen, right? They weren't, they weren't like, like, they were like, Lord, really? Just step back, step back. Things about to go nuclear here. Jesus says this, dust the, just shake the dust off your feet. Because their response, right, doesn't dictate to your success. And unfortunately for us, everyone else's response does dictate to our success. Who sets the standard for our success? You, me? The moment I give someone else the standard for my success, I am dead in the water. Because if they get to choose what it is, right, I'm successful in their eyes, but then someone else pops up that, I look for, that I'm looking up to. So now I've got to be successful with that person. Then the next person pops up, and I'm just running from person to person, trying to be successful, and, and just losing myself in the process, allowing others to dictate the terms. Whatever it takes to get to the top, I've come to realize this. There is no top, right? There's a treadmill, and all that happens is it goes faster and faster. Um, I was once at a, a, a new gym, and I like running a little bit on the treadmill before train. So 
I hopped on the treadmill and I realized, I might have told the story before, I realized that not, no two treadmills are the same. But I realized it a little bit too late because what I did was I hopped on and I put it on 12 usually, right? 12 is like nice running speed and off you go. So I jumped on this treadmill and I put it on 12. Now I don't know if this thing was doing it in multiples of two or if it was 12 miles an hour or it was calibrated differently, but I, I'm on this treadmill and I put it on 12 and next minute I am doing the 100 meters and I can't find, there was, no, you know the red emergency button? I couldn't find it. And there's a plate glass window behind me, right? I'm sprinting my guts on this thing. Eventually, I managed to do sort of an awkward sideways jump and get off this thing. And then like, by that stage, everyone's looking at you because everyone's waiting to see what's going to happen. Everyone's like, he's going through the window, you know? And I, just, I just went home. <laughs> like it was, and life's like that. There is no top to the mountain. There's just another speed on the treadmill. There's just another turn it up faster and faster and faster to us. Jesus weighs in on this whole argument on these different off-roads. When it comes to staying on this highway of simplicity, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you worry by worrying at a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father, I love this, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows that you need them. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. And this is the lie. The enemy comes to us and he goes, you know what? For some of us, God won't. And for others of us, God doesn't care enough for you. He cares for other people. He's got his favorites. But for you, he doesn't care enough for you. He won't do this for you. He'll do it for someone else, maybe. Or maybe God used to do those things. But nowadays, God doesn't really act like this. You've got to do it yourself. You've got to make your way. And so this highway of simplicity all of a sudden, right? If I don't know that Jesus is with me on this highway, it's going to be a super lonely road to ride on, on my own. I'm going to quickly go through these off-ramps and just give you a scripture on each and show you how God promises us each of those, those promises. He gives us each of those things as we stay on the journey with him. First of all, I deserve to be entertained, right? And here's the question, where do I go to be entertained? I love this in Lamentations 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. I've realized this. Walking with Jesus, you want to talk about an adventure? Crazy crazy adventure. It stretches me in every facet of who I am. I feel insecure half the time. I don't know who I am. I feel worried. I'm like stressed, not stressed out, but just like it's this crazy adventure all the time because his mercies are new every morning. He's like, I wake up in the morning. He's like, you're ready. We can do this thing. I'm like, okay. I don't want your picture of Jesus. As. He's not, you know, sitting there rubbing his lobes in the lotus position. Oh, welcome to today. You know, same old, same old. 
But there's this adventure to go on with him each day, this incredible adventure. And if I give myself to that, it's incredible how entertainment, right, all of a sudden can take its place. It's nice, it's fun, but I don't need it. I don't crave it. I don't, you know what I mean? It's not something that I'm leaning into because I find this incredible joy just experiencing the mercies of God new every morning. I deserve to be affirmed. Where do I go for my affirmation? Galatians 4, 6. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba, Father, my father, my dad. And it's amazing how we go looking for all these other places to find someone just to tell us that we're good enough. Or someone that we can do it, or, or that you know, someone loves us, or someone is for us. And we're trying to find the, our crew, you know. And Jesus comes out of the water. He's done absolutely zip. Nothing. And the Holy Spirit comes on him, and the Father says, It's my son in whom I'm well pleased. Some of us need to hear that. I'm well pleased in you. You mean before I do anything? Yes, the affirmation comes before. It's not given to you as a result of. Isn't that amazing? It's not, it's not with hooks in it. It's for free. I deserve to be secure, right? Where do I go for my security? Philippians 4.19, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God will supply all our needs. But those needs are supplied on this road, on the highway of simplicity with Jesus. I deserve to be comforted. Where do I go to be comforted? 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. There's a lot of words, a lot of comfort in there. We run around looking for comfort in all kinds of different places instead of going to the one who can actually comfort us and talk to us. It's one of the things I love about long road trips. I've got time to think, just to talk, talk to God. I'm not the most super spiritual guy in the world, but it's a great time just to chat and mull through things with him. He begins to comfort me and speak to me about his intention. I deserve to be enriched. What does a big life look like? Where do I go to live this big life? Philippians 3, our citizenship is in heaven. Anyone talk about a big life? We eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Okay, that's a big life. All that stuff Jesus did and more. That's a big life, right? Enriched, living this wide life in God. And I deserve to be successful. Where do I go to find my success? Galatians 6, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. This is, a, this is an interesting text because what he's saying there, if you, if you sow to please the flesh, right, you end up from your flesh reaping destruction. So you could feel like it's successful. But the moment you've done it, it's already started rotting. And there is no success in it. It's actually just hollow. It's like candy floss. You put it in your mouth and it's gone. True success. Follow the Holy Spirit. Stay on this road of simplicity with God. Listening to what he's saying. Following his word. 
following the leading of his Holy Spirit. And the success that we find is it doesn't slip under our feet. We're going to keep falling off the mountain, you know. <laughs> we like keep going forward and keep following after God. And each step that we take isn't a step that we slide back. Each step that we take, God gives it to us and he makes our feet firm underneath us. Our contentment. See, here's the thing when it comes to contentment. We've got two choices. We can go looking for these things ourselves by taking the offerings. Or we can trust that all of these things, entertainment, affirmation, security, comfort, enrichment, and success, that in his time, God will bring it to us. As we need it on that road, he will bring it to us in his time. Um, where is it where it says, um, sorry, I'm just looking for this. Yeah, here. The Bible teaches that if I follow God, if I chase after him, right, that goodness and mercy will pursue, pursue me. They come after me. The crazy thing is if I turn around and I begin to pursue goodness and mercy, I will never be able to catch them. They run away from me. And it's the same thing. As I begin to pursue Jesus, all of these good things begin to pursue me. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. So I keep on this road and all of these things kind of come alongside and my car just gets all these upgrades. You know, transformer vibes. And I go forward and my life becomes this full, meaningful life. But sometimes it's hard when you're driving through that long stretch through the free state, right? And it's just fields as far as you can see. And it's just you're starting to blur. To keep sight of that, and I see the off-ramp, and I want to go and take it. Jesus wants to give us a more lasting gift, the simplicity of being a Christ follower. He says, be still and know that I am God. Nothing that Jesus offers us is cheap. Nothing. Nothing is cheap. He offers us himself, our Savior. He offers us the Holy Spirit who empowers us. And then he offers us a Father so that we knit it into his family. That's the journey of simplicity coming after Jesus. I wonder if I can pray for us and then we're going to have a time of worship. Thank you so much for joining us. You might be asking yourself the question, how can I take this further? Firstly, you can send us your contact details to cindy at centerchurch.co.za where we can include you in our online connect groups and you can receive our daily devotional. Secondly, you can hop on our website where you can access previous sermons and find out more about who we are at Centre Church. Thirdly, if you consider yourself as part of Centre Church, we want to thank you so much for your ongoing financial partnership. The banking details are on the website. Thank you so much for joining us and hope you have an amazing Sunday.